Chapter 7 of Liza of Lambeth by W. Somerset Maugham. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Hatton 43, blog de la quinzaine.wordpress.com. Two days passed, and it was Friday morning. Liza had got up early and strolled off to her work in good time, but she did not meet her faithful Sally on the way, nor find her at the factory when she herself arrived. The bell rang and all the girls trooped in, but Sally still did not come. Liza could not make it out, and was thinking she would be shut out, when just as the man who gave out the tokens of the day's work was pulling down the shutter in front of his window, Sally arrived, breathless and perspiring. Oh, go lummy, I'm hot, she said, wiping her face with her apron. I thought you wasn't coming, said Liza. Well, I only just did. I overslept myself. I was out late last night. Were you? Me and Harry went to see the play. Oh, Liza, it's simply spiffin'. I've never seen such a good play in my life. Law, why, it makes your blood run cold. They hang a man on the stage. Oh, it made me creep all over. And then she began telling Liza all about it. The blood and thunder, the shooting, the railway train, the murder, the bomb, the hero, the funny man, jumbling everything up in her excitement, repeating little scraps of dialogue, all wrong, gesticulating, getting excited and red in the face at the recollection. Liza listened rather crossly, feeling bored at the detail into which Sally was going. The piece didn't really much interest her. One would think you'd never been to a theatre in your life before, she said. I've never seen anything so good, I can tell you. You take more tip and get Tom to take you. I don't want to go. And if I did, I'd pay for myself and go alone. Cheese it. That ain't half so good. Me and Harry, we set together him with his arm round my waist, and me holding his hand. It was jam, I can tell you. Well, I don't want anyone sprawling me about. That ain't my mark. But I do like Harry. You don't know the little ways he has. And we're going to be married in three weeks now. Harry said, well, he says, I'll get a license. Nah, says I. Have the bands read out in church. It seems more regular like to have bands. So they're going to be read out next Sunday. You'll come with me and hear them, won't you, Liza? Yes, I don't mind. On the way home, Sally insisted on stopping in front of the poster and explaining to Liza all about the scene represented. Oh, you give me the sick with your fight or card, you do. I'm going home. And she left Sally in the midst of her explanation. I don't know what's up with Liza, remarked Sally to a mutual friend. She's always got the needle somehow. Oh, she's balmy, answered the friend. Well, I do think she's a bit dotty sometimes. I do really, rejoined Sally. Liza walked homewards, thinking of the play. At length, she tossed her head impatiently. I don't want to see the blasted thing, and if I see that there, Jim, I'll tell him so. Swap me bob, I will. She did see him. He was leaning with his back against the wall of his house, smoking. Liza knew he had seen her, and as she walked by, pretended not to have noticed him. To her disgust, he let her pass and she was thinking he hadn't seen her, after all, when she heard him call her name. Liza! She turned round and started with surprise, very well imitated. I didn't see you was there, she said. Why did you pretend not to notice me as you went past, eh, Liza? Why, I didn't see you. Gone, but you ain't shirty with me. What have I got to be shirty about? He tried to take her hand, but she drew it away quickly. She was getting used to the movement. They went on talking but Jim did not mention the theatre. Liza was surprised, and wondered whether he had forgotten. Er, uh, Sally went to the play last night,' she said at last. "'Oh, 
he said, and that was all. She got impatient. Well, I'm off, she said. Now, don't go yet. I want to talk to you, he replied. What about? Anything in particular? She would drag it out of him if she possibly could. Not that I knows on, he said, smiling. Good night, she said, abruptly, turning away from him. Well, I'm damned if he ain't forgotten, she said to herself, sulkily, as she marched home. The following evening, about six o'clock, it suddenly struck her that it was the last night of the new and sensational drama. I do like that, Jim Blakeston, she said to herself. Fancy treating me like that. You wouldn't catch Tom doing such a thing. Blimey, if I speak to him again, the... Now I shan't see it at all. I've a good mind to go on my own hook. Fancy is forgetting all about it, like that. She was really quite indignant, though, as she had distinctly refused Jim's offer, it was rather hard to see why. He said he'd wait for me outside the doors. I wonder if he's there. I'll go and see if he is. See if I don't. And then, if he's there, I'll go in on my own hook just to spite him. She dressed herself in her best and, so that the neighbours shouldn't see her, went up a passage between some model lodging house buildings and in this roundabout way got into the Westminster Bridge Road and soon found herself in front of the theatre. I've been waiting for you this half hour. She turned round and saw Jim standing just behind her. Who are you talking to? I'm not going to the play with you. What'd you take me for, eh? Who are you going with, then? I'm going alone. Gone, don't be a blooming jackass. Liza was feeling very injured. That's how you treat me. I shall go home. Why didn't you come out the other night? You told me not to. She snorted at the ridiculous ineptitude of the reply. Why didn't you say nothing about it yesterday? Why? I thought you'd come if I didn't talk on it. Well, I think you're a... brute. She felt very much inclined to cry. Come on, Liza, don't take on. I didn't mean no offence. And he put his arm round her waist and led her to take their places at the gallery door. Two tears escaped from the corners of her eyes and ran down her nose, but she felt very relieved and happy and let him lead her where he would. There was a long string of people waiting at the door, and Liza was delighted to see a couple of niggers who were helping them to while away the time of waiting. They sang and danced and made faces while the people looked on with appreciative gravity like royalty listening to Dureske, and they were very generous of applause and halfpence at the end of the performance. Then, when they moved to the pit doors, paper boys came along, offering tidbits and extra specials. After that, three little girls came round and sang sentimental songs and collected more halfpence. At last, a movement ran through the serpent-like string of people. Sounds were heard behind the door. Everyone closed up. The men told the woman to keep close and hold tight. There was a great unbarring and unbolting, the doors were thrown open, and like a bursting river, the people surged in. Half an hour more, and the curtain went up. The play was indeed thrilling. Liza quite forgot her companion, and was intent on the scene. She watched the incidents breathlessly, trembling with excitement, almost beside herself at the celebrated hanging incident. When the curtain fell on the first act, she sighed and mopped her face. See how hot I am she said to Jim, giving him a hand. Yes, you are, he remarked, taking it. Leave go, she said, trying to withdraw it from him. Not much, he answered, quite boldly. Gone, leave go, but he didn't, and she really did not struggle very violently. The second act came, and she shrieked over the comic man, and her laughter rang higher than anyone else's, so that people turned to look at her, and said, She is enjoying herself. 
Then, when the murder came, she bit her nails and the sweat stood on her forehead in great drops. In her excitement, she even called out as loud as she could to the victim, Look out! It caused a laugh and slackened the tension, for the whole house was holding its breath as it looked at the villains listening at the door, creeping silently forward, crawling like tigers to their prey. Liza, trembling all over and in terror, threw herself against Jim, who put both his arms round her, and said, Don't be afraid, Liza, it's all right. At last the men sprang, there was a scuffle, and the wretch was killed. Then came the scene depicted on the posters, the victim's son, knocking at the door, on the inside of which were the murderers and the murdered man. At last the curtain came down, and the house in relief burst forth into cheers and cheers. The handsome hero in his top hat was greeted thunderously. The murdered man, with his clothes still all disarranged, was hailed with sympathy. And the villains, the house yelled and hissed and booed, while the poor brutes bowed and tried to look as if they liked it. I am enjoying myself, said Liza, pressing herself quite close to Jim. You are a good sort to take me, Jim. He gave her a little hug, and it struck her that she was sitting just as Sally had done, and like Sally, she found it jam. The entracte was short, and the curtain was soon up, and the comic man raised customary laughter by undressing and exposing his nether garments to the public view. Then more tragedy, and the final act, with its darkened room, its casting lots, and its explosion. When it was all over and they had got outside, Jim smacked his lips and said, I could do with a gargle. Let's go into that pub there. I'm as dry as a bone, said Liza, and so they went. When they got in, they discovered they were hungry, and seeing some appetising sausage rolls, ate of them, and washed them down with a couple of pots of beer. Then Jim lit his pipe and they strolled off. They'd got quite near the Westminster Bridge Road when Jim suggested they should go and have one more drink before closing time. I shall be tight, said Liza. That don't matter, answered Jim, laughing. You ain't got to go to work in the morning, and you can sleep at air. All right, I don't mind if I do, then. In for a penny, in for a pound. At the pub door, she drew back. I say, Governor, she said. There'll be some of the coves from down our street, and they'll see us. Nah, there won't be nobody there. Don't you have no fear? I don't like to go in for fear of it. Well, we ain't doing no harm if they don't see us, and we can go into the private bar. And you bet your boots there won't be no one there. She yielded, and they went in. Two pints of bitter, please, miss, ordered Jim. I say, old art, I can't drink more than half a pint, said Liza. Cheese it, answered Jim. You can do with all you can get, I know. At closing time, they left and walked down the broad road which led homewards. Let's have a little sit-down, said Jim, pointing to an empty bench between two trees. Nah, it's getting late. I want to be home. It's such a fine night. It's a pity to go in already. And he drew her unresisting towards the seat. He put his arm round her waist. Unhand me, villain, she said, in apt misquotation of the melodrama. But Jim only laughed and she made no effort to disengage herself. They sat there for a long while in silence. The beer had got to Liza's head, and the warm night air filled her with a double intoxication. She felt the arm round her waist, and the big, heavy form pressing against her side. She experienced again the most curious sensation, as if her heart were about to burst, and it choked her. A feeling so oppressive and painful almost made her feel sick. Her hands began to tremble, and her breath grew rapid, as though she was suffocating. 
Almost fainting, she swayed over towards the man, but a cold shiver ran through her from top to toe. Jim bent over, and taking her in both arms, he pressed his lips to hers in a long, passionate kiss. At last, panting for breath, she turned her head away and groaned. Then they sat for a long while in silence, Liza full of a strange happiness, feeling as if she could laugh aloud hysterically, but restrained by the calm and silence of the night. Close behind struck a church clock. One. Bless my soul, said Liza, starting. There's one o'clock. I must get home. It's so nice out here. Do stay, Liza. He pressed her closer to him. You know, Liza, I love you. Fit to kill. Now nah, I can't stay. Come on. She got up from the seat and pulled him up too. Come on, she said. Without speaking, they went along, and there was no one to be seen, either in front or behind them. He had not got his arm round her now, and they were walking side by side, slightly separated. It was Liza who spoke first. You'd better go down the road and by the church and get into Veer Street the other end, and I'll go through the passage so that no one should see us coming together. She spoke in almost a whisper. All right, Liza, he answered. I'll do just as you tell me. They came to the passage of which Liza spoke. It was a narrow way between blank walls, the backs of factories, and it led into the upper end of Veer Street. The entrance to it was guarded by two iron posts in the middle, so that horses or barrows should not be taken through it. They had just got to it when a man came out into the open road. Liza quickly turned her head away. I wonder if he see us, she said when he passed out of earshot. He's looking back, she added. Why? Who is it? asked Jim. It's a man out of our street, she answered. I don't know him, but I know where he lodges. Do you think he sees us? Nah, he wouldn't know who it was in the dark. But he looked round. All the street will know it if he see us. Well, we ain't doing no harm. She stretched out her hand to say goodbye. To say goodnight. I'll come away with you along the passage, said Jim. Nah, you mustn't. You must go straight round. But it's so dark. Perhaps something will happen to you. Not it. You go on home and leave me, she replied, and entering the passage stood facing him with one of the iron pillars between them. Good night, old cock, she said, stretching out her hand. He took it and said, I wish you wasn't going to leave me, Liza. Gone, I must. She tried to get her hand away from his, but he held it firm, resting it on top of the pillar. Leave go my hand, she said. He made no movement but he looked into her eyes steadily so that it made her uneasy. She repented having come out with him. Leave go my hand. And she beat down on his with her closed fist. Liza, he said at last. Well, what is it? She answered, still thumping down on his hand with her fist. Liza, he said a whisper. Will you? Will I what? She said, looking down. You know, Liza, say, will you? Nah, she said. He bent over her and repeated, Will you? She did not speak, but kept beaking down on his hand. Liza, he said again, his voice growing hoarse and thick, Liza, will you? She still kept silence, looking away and continually bringing down her fist. He looked at her for a moment, and she, ceasing to thump his hand, looked up at him with half-opened mouth. Suddenly, he shook himself, and closing his fist, gave her a violent swinging blow in the belly. Come on, he said, and together they slid down into the darkness of the passage. End of chapter 7